Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're moving back into the world of literature. But before we move into today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about organization of this podcast. I've decided that after the next episode, which will be on Kant, we're going to break off and start season two after that. Now, there won't be an interruption between season one and season two. Uh, I'll start immediately working on the episodes for season two. I just want to break them here because it seems like this is a good starting point. I've already given you lots of information that really is, is a season's worth of information. And so to be able to kind of digest it a little easier. I think it's going to make it easier if I break it into segments that are more unified. So this episode will be naturalism. The next one will be on Kant. Then we'll go into season two. Uh, The reason I want to break is that Kant really starts um, what would be considered the more modern philosophers. He's, He's really the start of modern philosophy. And a lot of modern philosophy kind of goes back to Kant. Um, so he's he's an important person the same way Plato was an important person. Um, we're going to backtrack a little bit afterwards and do, um, I'm sorry, I should say we're going to go forward a little bit after Kant and we're going to do Hegel and then we're going to start moving forward from there in the philosophy section. In the literature section, we're coming up into the 20th century, in the 21st century. And I really think that there are so many different traditions going on in the 20th and 21st century in literature, and so many different things in philosophy as well, that that really needs to be a season all its own, is to kind of introduce uh, you know, that century and the part of the 21st century that we're in. Uh, After I get through the second season, after we've done all of those episodes, then we're going to go back and I'm going to do uh, long segments devoted to each time period. So we'll have, you know, a lot about the ancient Greeks. We'll have a lot about um, uh, Middle English literature and so forth. I'm going to go into the eras, more like what you would do in college. You study the, you know, general overall, this is the introduction to all of it, and then you start getting more in depth on each one of the eras. Then after I go through all of that, which will take probably a season or two, uh, I'm going to start into going into individual philosophers and individual writers. And this is probably going to be the rest of the seasons. So we'll have long sections where we'll have many, many um, episodes that will be based on the same philosopher. Um, Probably have several episodes, you know, for longer works devoted to even single works of that philosopher. Same thing for the literary writers. We'll have long episodes and possibly multiple episodes if the episode deals with... um, deals with a long work of literature. So it's going to become more and more in-depth, but by the time we get to that, you're not going to feel overwhelmed. This is part of why I didn't start this with the beginning of this series and just start giving you these really in-depth lectures, uh, because that would be like starting college uh, at the graduate level instead of starting as a freshman. And I really feel that by the time we get to it, if you've been kind of listening along to the podcasts, that you'll get a lot more out of the episodes. So that's 
kind of the organization from here going forward. Two more episodes in this season, three episodes from now we're going to start going into the more modern philosophers and the 20th and 21st century in literature. But today I want to backtrack and finish up on naturalism. Naturalism is really the literary movement that takes us into the 20th century, especially in American literature. And naturalism and realism is kind of an area where a lot of people have a hard time distinguishing the difference between the two. A lot of the ideas in naturalism are the same or similar to what we were talking about in realism. The real difference in naturalism comes from sort of a growing pessimism, both from the Industrial Revolution um, and also just from conditions of life itself. So in naturalism, there's actually a shift, a major shift, in how the writers view nature. In realism, the view of nature is much more neutral, as we talked about. Nature is neither for us nor against us. It does its own thing. We do ours. In naturalism, there starts to be a sense that nature is actually out to get us. And if we don't um, stick together, it's going to kill us off. So this is a difference in philosophical perspective. It also shows up in the way that the stories end and the way that the stories progress. Um, because there is this philosophical difference going from nature as being something neutral to nature as being something that is trying to kill us. And I want to talk a little bit about two naturalist works that we've already discussed, uh, but I want to re-hit some of the points of them and how they tie into naturalism. And then I want to talk about a short story that we haven't discussed. Uh, the first story I want to talk about is The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Now, if you remember, I did an earlier episode on that novel, and in that novel you have a young woman who kind of strays from her husband, decides to live life on her own, and at the end of the novel, um, she kind of realizes it's all meaningless, and she doesn't want her husband, she doesn't want her lover, and she kind of swims out into the ocean and commits suicide. Now, one of the things that makes this more naturalism than realism is it did have the realistic descriptions of, you know, cultures, of dialects, of, uh, you know, the things people wore, the things they ate. Uh, there was a, a description difference between, um, between the cultures because she came from a Protestant culture and she was uh, married to a Catholic in, you know, a Catholic culture. So it does give those realistic pictures, but the difference, as I said, is this sense of she gets punished for leaving the group. You know, this is one of the things that you'll see in a lot of naturalist literature, is that as soon as somebody goes off on their own and tries to do their own thing, uh, they end up dead. It's not like the romantics where someone goes off to do their own thing, they have a great adventure, they become inspired, they become transformed. In a lot of these naturalist books, uh, people the, the characters end up dead, or the people around them end up dead. So Edna's death at the end of The Awakening is really partially can be seen as something that you would expect in a, in a work from naturalism. Um, she has left everything that she was supposed to stick to. 
Uh, she left her original Protestant culture to marry a Catholic, and then she leaves her husband and children for her lover, and then she leaves her lover as well. And it kind of, you know, in the realism part, uh, this would, in the time period, make a woman pretty much unable to care for herself. You have to remember this was written, you know, before women were really allowed to work. There really weren't many choices for women as far as women who wanted to be working women. Her choices basically in that time period for a woman, your choices were be a wife, be a prostitute, or be a teacher. And if you've ever been married or been a prostitute, you can't be a teacher. So realistically, when you know she leaves, when Edna leaves her husband and her children and her lover, her only choice would be to go off somewhere and die or become a prostitute. And so there is this sort of reinforcement of you can't get along without other people. Now the other work that I want to talk about a little bit that we talked about before was The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. And one of the things that we talked about when we talked about the jungle was sort of one the realistic description again this fits into naturalism now the jungle is into the 20th century but just barely uh, the jungle has a lot of the elements of earlier literature and it also has some elements that edge it towards being modernist um, but it is still within the naturalist tradition now the family you get a realistic description of how you know, the conditions in Chicago break this family apart, cause them to lose what little they have, um, be broken apart by death and disaster and poverty, and in the end they kind of go their own separate ways. Uh, well, towards the end, I should say. Um, the main character, Jurgis, tries to get back to his family. His After his wife died and then his son died, uh, he runs off for a while and then he realizes that you know his wife's family is still alive and he uh, sort of tries to go back to them and make everything okay again and he realizes that his uh, his cousin his wife's cousin Maria has drifted into being a prostitute to help take care of the family and the children are kind of all running wild and uh, even the young uh, girl, it seems like, is sort of eventually on the, be on the same path as Maria. Uh, Maria's even doing drugs. Uh, she's stoned on probably heroin when he comes back to her. And the jungle, unlike most naturalist literature, though, does end on a higher note. Um, it kind of shows you what he should have done all along. Now remember, the person who wrote The Jungle was a socialist, and one of uh, Upton Sinclair. And one of the things that he saw as a way out of the conditions of the working people were to was to organize and unionize. And so uh, Jurgis kind of makes his way into uh, a, a union uh, meeting, a meeting talking about communism and socialism, and he sort of becomes inspired to join the group. Well, this is the only thing that saves him because he does come back into the fold of the group. And remember, that's what the problem was with naturalism, is that if you leave the group, you die on your own because nature is out to get us. Now, an example of a short story that kind of encapsulates all of this is a story that a lot of you may have read in high school. 
or at least heard of, is the Jack London story to build a fire. In this story, the main character is a is an outdoorsman, uh, is is a trapper, is a kind of a, a self-reliant man in the wilderness of Alaska, and he's uh, with his uh, buddies and who are also all trappers and you know live out in the wild, and they're going from camp to camp together. Well, he decides he's going to go to the next camp on his own. So when he leaves to go to the next camp, um, you know, had this been a romantic novel, he would have overcome some obstacles and become enlightened. Well, since he leaves on his own in the Alaskan wilderness in the middle of winter, uh, his fate is quite the opposite of that. He ends up falling under, falling through some ice, getting wet. Uh, he gets himself under a tree, uh, manages to get a fire built, but he didn't really. He was so panicked, he didn't really think about the fact that the tree he was under was full of snow. So as the fire starts to warm him up a little bit, it also warms the snow and brings it down and puts out the fire. Well, by this time, his fingers are too numb to build another fire. And so he ends up freezing to death. And the only one he had taken with him is a dog. And at the end of the story, the dog kind of heads back to the camp where the other people are. Kind of a little bit of an indication of even the dog knows we shouldn't be out here by ourselves. And so this is um, whole, upholding a lot of the traditions in one short story. Now, there are a lot of short stories in naturalism and realism, uh, especially in American literature. This is actually one of the um, biggest periods of short stories in American literature. This is when a, the short story is really taking off. Uh, you have a lot of uh, literary magazines in the Americas, the same way you would always had them in England. You know, this was sort of a newer thing for the Americas. Yet, remember, it's a much younger culture, and it doesn't really start to get going with a lot of literature really until you get to the realism and naturalism period. And then moving into the 20th century, you get a lot more American lit too. Prior to the realism and naturalism period, yes, we had writers, poets, and novelists, but we didn't have an excess of them. We had a very small amount. And part of, you know, as, as we talked about with the, with the realism, part of what drives this is we do have industrialization. We do have a need for the lower classes to become more educated. And so we do have a lot more uh, lower class people, working class people, who are able to read. And there becomes a market for short stories. There becomes a market for novels, especially ones that can be produced cheaply. Um, this is kind of the beginnings and, and the, the rise of the dime novel, you know, the western stories and things like that. People have a taste for action and adventure, um, but they also want it to be something believable. And as I said, the difference between realism and naturalism is as you drift into naturalism, people are starting to become a little bit more pessimistic about where things are going. Okay, I'm going to break off this episode uh, right here. Um, and next time, as I said, we will be talking about Kant. Uh, mainly we're going to be talking about Kant's contributions to ethics and then after the Kant episode we will be going into season two 
Uh, I hope all of you are doing well. I hope all of you are staying safe. Have a good night.